Let's take our Bibles this morning, please, and turn to Matthew chapter 3. Now, on the screen, you're going to see a different verse. And our theme for this year is by His Spirit. And I've enjoyed learning more about the Holy Spirit of God. And I was thinking about this the other day. If you were to say to me, do you have any regrets in ministry? I think my regrets in ministry would be this. I wish that as a young man, first starting out in ministry, that I spent more time just learning about God. I think sometimes when you're young and you're preaching, you think, well, I need to know something about everything. I need to know, you know, something about creation. When somebody comes and says, you know, how, how was the world created or how did David beat that giant and all these things, I think we think we need to know everything. But I, I wish I just spent more time getting to know God and then getting to know his son and getting to know his Holy Spirit. Because when we're filled with the Spirit, boy, God gives us a lot of the answers we're looking for, doesn't he? And so the last couple of years, that's been kind of my quest. Last year, our theme was speak Jesus. But in order to profess the Lord Jesus Christ with our lives, we need to know him. And so we spent the year going through the book of Mark and just learning more about Christ, his miracles, his parables, his teachings, his life, his death and resurrection. And, and I enjoyed that thoroughly. It helped me so much. And this year, our theme is by his spirit. And I've been trying to learn more about the Holy Spirit. Uh, last week in Arizona, I was able to read two books on the Holy Spirit, one by R.A. Torrey, and I enjoyed that immensely. And uh, so we just, uh, I, want, I want to understand more about my relationship with God and his spirits working in my life. And so our message this morning is simply called Filled. How many of you know that we are called to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God? And the verse on the screen this morning is Ephesians 5.18, and I will reference that verse, but I'm going to have a very different message this morning. I'm not going to uh, so much preach or break down a passage, but instead I want to tell you a story that shows how the Lord Jesus Christ was filled with the Spirit throughout his ministry and what it meant in the life of Christ. Because if anybody is our example... It's the Lord Jesus Christ. And if he is to be filled with the Spirit, think about this. God in the flesh was filled with the Spirit, and it was necessary for his earthly ministry. How much more do we need to be filled with the Spirit? Right? So Ephesians 5.18, we all know it, or if you don't know it, you're going to learn it here in a second. Why don't we recite it together? And then when it comes up later on, it, we won't have to turn there. You'll have it memorized in just a minute, all right? So if, if you know it, say it out loud with me, and then we'll try it again so others can learn it as well. Here we go. And be not drunk with wine, where it is excess, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. All right, let's try it again. And be not drunk with wine, where it is excess, but be filled with with the Spirit, all right? I added the word holy there the first time. That's just simply the verse, Ephesians 5.18. And it comes in a passage of Scripture that God is giving us a lot of instruction. The Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit himself, is giving us different things. Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing. Uh, and, and so we are to sing to ourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. But one of those admonitions is that we be filled with the Spirit. And so I want you to look in Matthew chapter 3 today. And I want to see some steps that Jesus Christ took when he began his earthly ministry in order to be filled with the Spirit. Now, if you have a pen out today, I'm going to encourage you, you can write down some scripture, but I won't have any points. You say, Pastor, you often have no point to your messages. There is a point, but I don't have a 
crafted sermon in a sense where I'll have points alliterated or laid out for you, but instead I want to tell you the narrative or the story of how Jesus was filled with the Spirit. So look, if you will, in Matthew chapter 3 this morning, Matthew chapter 3, and honestly, as I've been studying and, and spent some time in Arizona there a week ago, this was just some notes I jotted out. These are just some things I did as I was reading through the book of Matthew and identifying what the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, his interactions with the Spirit of God were, and God began to develop it in my heart. So look in Matthew chapter 3, Matthew chapter 3 and verse 13. Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. By the way, this is the first time we see the Lord Jesus Christ since his birth. We have a small mention of him when he's 12 years old in another book of the Bible, but as far as we see here in Matthew, this is the only time we see him from the time he was born. And of course, when he was 12, he was questioning the rulers of law and the Pharisees, and they were questioning him, and he was giving answers. And and we don't have a lot about his childhood except for that little snapshot. But now he is 30 years old. The Bible says that. And John the Baptist is already preaching and baptizing people. And now the Lord Jesus Christ, in verse 13, cometh from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me? And Jesus answering said unto him, Suffered to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. That's an important phrase. We'll look at it in a moment. Then he suffered him. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the word of God today, and Lord, I've enjoyed so much the worship, the songs that we have sang to glorify your name today. Lord, not only I pray and, and, and hope that they were pleasing to you, they stirred my soul, that my shame and guilt were laid upon your shoulders. In my place, you stood condemned and died. But you rose. Now those simple reminders I need often to be reminded of what Christ has accomplished for me. And so God, I pray, Lord, that as we look to the word of God today, may we get a glimpse of how Christ accomplished those things. Yes, he was God in the flesh. 100% God. But also we know the miracle of the incarnation was that he was also 100% man. And as a man, he was our perfect example. And so he was filled with the very spirit of God that we so desperately need today. So I surrender to you and I pray that you'd fill me. And I ask, Lord, that you would use your same spirit to teach us and help us today and guide us into all truth and speak to each heart in this place. And Father, we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm sure that over the years, each of us have heard many messages about being filled with the Spirit of God. Sometimes a magic formula is attached to how we might have the Spirit's filling. 
I remember one of my favorite messages I, that I heard in this pulpit right here was uh, Mark Bowman Jr. When he was on staff here as our school principal and he preached a message one night, just simply be filled with the Spirit. And over and over again, he just emphasized that fact, be filled, be filled, be filled with the Spirit. And over and over again, it stirred my heart thinking, this is a convicting thought. And here's the problem. If it's a convicting thought, it likely means I'm not filled like I ought to be. Be filled with the Spirit of God. Unfortunately, a lot of times we'll hear messages like we need to be filled, but we have no clue what that means. We understand somewhat it means to be emptied and that God can pour himself into us through his Holy Spirit and and empower us for service, but how do we get there? How do we achieve that spirit filling and how do we maintain it in our lives? And friend, it's not easy to maintain, is it? There's a world at war with us. Matter of fact, the scripture says that very thing, the flesh warreth with the spirit. And so it's a constant battle. But I want you to see what Jesus did. You see the kids wear those bracelets sometime, maybe not so popular today, but WWJD, what would Jesus do? Here's the truth. A better question is this, what did Jesus do? We have it laid out in scripture for us. What did Jesus do with the spirit of God? A few moments ago, I emphasized that we hadn't seen the Lord Jesus Christ since he was just about 12 years old. And there's a reason for that. The Lord Jesus Christ did not dare enter into ministry until he was filled with the Spirit of God. As much as he was God, he was also man. And as our example, he surrendered to his Father's will and he surrendered to the Spirit's filling that he might have a productive and fruitful ministry for his own cause. And notice what it says in Matthew chapter 3, and look back in verse 13. The Bible says that he comes to, from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him, but John forbade him. And I think this is a true statement. I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me? Can you imagine the one that John was preaching about? Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. John had already been preaching. He says, there is one that cometh after me who's preferred before me, whose shoe latchet I'm unworthy to loose. He'd already been preaching of Christ, and now he shows up. And he says, would you baptize me, John? John says, no, I need to be baptized of you. If the Lord Jesus Christ were to step through that door right now, I would take a seat very quickly. I'd bow down before him and say, Lord, it is your pulpit. You don't need to hear preaching from me. I need preaching from you. We must give ourselves over fully to Christ. John the Baptist, in his lack of understanding of what was about to happen, is exactly what he tried to do. And Jesus answering, said to him, Suffered to be so now. For thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. But look at verse 16. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending. Don't miss this next word, like. Like a dove. It doesn't mean a literal dove floated down from the skies. He doesn't know it was like a dove. 
It kind of floated down, and the Lord Jesus Christ could literally, in his spiritual eyes, see the Holy Spirit of God coming down, floating from the heavens like a dove. How many of you have ever, how many of you old enough to remember flannel graph? Remember that? How many of you remember Mrs. Lormer putting Jesus up there on the baptismal thing, and he had a little dove sitting on his shoulder? How many of you remember that? Well, that's not likely what happened, because the Bible says, like a dove. It's just a comparison. But the point is this, the Holy Spirit of God at that moment descended upon the Lord Jesus Christ. And we might ask the question, did Jesus really need the Holy Spirit of God? Wasn't it Christ that later on would say in the book of John chapter 14 that while I am with you, you don't need the comforter? But it is expedient for you that I go, that another may come. And when he has come, he will guide you into all truth. We understand that the Lord Jesus Christ as his position in the Godhead was everything we need But the Lord Jesus Christ is also 100% man, understood as our example, we need the Spirit of God. So the Spirit of God descended upon him. In order to be prepared for his earthly ministry and have the Spirit's fullness in his life, I want you to notice two things took place. Number one, notice that phrase I emphasized a moment ago, fulfill all righteousness. See, what does that mean? It simply means, I want to be obedient. The word righteousness in the Bible, in a very simplistic way to define it, when we talk about the, to, to be righteous as to be righteous and holy and as, a, as a saved person, we want to be righteous in Christ Jesus, it just simply means this, to be right with God. That's what righteousness is. We cannot do that apart from Jesus Christ. We cannot do that apart from forgiveness and redemption and the shed blood of Christ. But as believers, we are to be right with God. We are to be righteous in Christ Jesus. That's, that's just a very plain teaching of Scripture. And so to be right in the Lord Jesus Christ says and to fulfill all righteousness, not just righteousness with God, but all righteousness, he's meaning I need to be right in all areas. I need to be right with God, and I need to be right with my fellow man. You say, why is that significant? Because so many that John the Baptist was preaching to were being baptized. And if the Lord Jesus Christ came along and began to present his ministry, some might say, well, were you baptized? How many of you today have, have followed the Lord in believer's baptism? It is an example that God set for us. And so we see that one of the very first steps, listen, here's, here's what I want you to get today. One of the first steps of being filled with the Spirit of God is simple obedience. Christ obeyed, and his father endorsed it. This is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. And the Spirit of God fell upon him. He was anointed by the very Spirit of God, and God the Father acknowledges it by sharing his blessing as the heavens opened and a voice came and said, this is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. Understand this, that the chapter divisions that we have in the Bible are not inspired of God. There are some that believe that, but they were put in centuries later. The story doesn't end right there. Look at Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. I want you to notice something that's very important. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness. Why? To be tempted 
of the devil. Now, wait a minute. What kind of ministry is this? Didn't you just say, preacher, that the Lord Jesus Christ was about to begin his earthly ministry and so he understood the need to be filled with the Spirit of God that he might go out and do miracles and teach with power and share his parables and do all the mighty works of God and one day die on a cross and rise victorious over death and hell. Isn't that why he was filled with the Spirit? The Bible says he was filled with the Spirit here that he might be led of the Spirit to be tempted of the devil. Here's an interesting thing. Understand this today. We might look at the circumstances and say, that's not of God. As a matter of fact, that is contrary to God. And so we deny the very leading of God's Spirit in our lives when something is contrary, when something doesn't feel right, when something doesn't seem right. And we look at it and say, I don't, I don't understand. This couldn't possibly be God's will because it's not good and profitable and happy and joyful. And, and it doesn't just fill me with all these feelings of euphoria. And so it must not be God's will. Listen, sometimes God leads us through dark places. But he's promised he'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'm so thankful that when we first found out that Daniel had leukemia, the first time I talked to him, he said this, if this is the valley that God has chosen to walk us through for now, please pray that we will accept it. That's an incredible act of surrender. The Lord Jesus Christ was led of the Spirit to go through this valley to a time to be tempted of the devil. And you say, why is that so significant? Here's the thing. It goes back to the first point. He was obedient. He was obedient. He could have very easily said, I'm filled with the Spirit. I'm going to go walk on some water. I'm filled with the Spirit. I'm going to start healing people. I'm filled with the Spirit. I'm going to start preaching to thousands and thousands of people. But the Spirit said, no, not yet. I want you to learn a lesson first. They say, God learned something? Read your Bible. The Lord Jesus Christ waxed strong in spirit and in grew in favor with, in wisdom with man. He grew and he learned. Because he wasn't just God, he was also man. And as a man, listen, this will help you understand this verse better. He was tempted in all points like we are, yet without sin. Hebrews chapter 4, let me read that passage to you. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession, for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points stepped in like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace that we may attain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Why was Jesus led of the Spirit in the wilderness? I believe for this purpose, to prove his obedience. To prove that he was obedient to the very Spirit of God that had just filled him moments earlier. He left that place of baptism and the Spirit led him. The Bible says this in, in Luke chapter 4 of the same passage. And Jesus being full of the Holy Ghost returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness. It adds that phrase, he was filled with the Holy Ghost. 
The Spirit of God descended and filled him. And where did it take him? It took him to a place of temptation. But I want you to notice why. That he was tempted in all points like we are. He knows your infirmities. He knows your pain. He knows the very temptations of your life. And he's had victory over them. Listen to this. When the Holy Spirit allows you to go through a difficult time, I want you to remember this verse. You all know it, but I want you to catch the last phrase. And we know that all things work together for good. To them that love God, to them who are the called, what are the next four words? According to his, emphasis on his purpose. Why was Jesus led to the wilderness to be tempted? Because God had a purpose. His father had a purpose. And we need to see that very clearly in our lives as well. Sometimes there's trials and sometimes there's struggles and sometimes there's tribulation that we go through. But listen, when we go through those trials, we are better equipped to help other people. We're able to exercise our spiritual muscles a little bit. We're, we, we learn how to rely upon the Spirit of God, don't we? We learn how to trust Him a little bit better. This is another key to be filled with the Spirit that we simply obey. But notice another in chapter 4 and verse 2. And when he had fasted, when he had fasted, how long? 40 days, it says. When he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward a hungered. I am not going to question the Holy Spirit of God in his inspiration, but I'm going to be honest, I did not need those last few words. I know he was hungry. How many of you fasted ever, even for a day, half a day? You're hungry. Fasting was a Jewish ritual. It was something that the Jews practiced that showed their devotion to God by releasing uh, earthly cares and pleasures and things that are nourishing. And they're saying, God, I'm relying upon you 100%. I'm trusting you to take care of my physical needs while I focus on the spiritual Fasting was passed on to the early church. The Bible says that the church at Antioch fasted and they sent out Barnabas and Paul after laying hands upon them because the Holy Spirit says, separate them unto me. We read later in the book of Acts that Paul was on a journey and a ship in a ship and a storm came up and the Bible says that everybody on the ship fasted for 14 days. It was something that the early church did. It's something that the church still does today. We practice that denial of physical that we might emphasize the spiritual and, and spend time with the Lord in prayer. And fasting, listen, I want to say this this morning. Fasting is not a prerequisite to spirit filling. The Bible never says that. It says be filled with the spirit. It doesn't say fast and be filled with the spirit. But I want you to know this, complete surrender is a prerequisite. And when the Lord Jesus Christ fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, he was completely surrendering to his Father. God, I'm, 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 I'm just trusting you for everything. For food, for water. You'll take care of all my physical needs as I prepare for this spiritual battle. Let me ask you this. 
At times where you've asked God to fill you with your Holy Spirit, have you given up control to God completely? Have you laid it all down? Sometimes it's sin. Sometimes it's ambition. Sometimes it's longing for riches. Always wanting the better thing. Living in luxury. I'm not saying God always takes it away, but I'm saying are we willing to give it up? Are we willing to surrender everything and say, God, not my will, but thine be done. 100% I'm surrendered to you. I lay it all down at your feet. And if it's difficult for you to do so, are you willing to pray today and say, God, would you lay it down for me? Like a good husbandman, would you come into my life and would you prune my branches? Would you take away the things that are distasteful to you that I might know the filling of the Holy Spirit? That verse we quoted at the beginning, and be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. You know what that's about? It's about control. A drunkard is controlled by a substance. And God says, don't be controlled by that. Instead, be filled with the Spirit of God. Maybe a better way to put it today is what controls you? What leads your thinking? I once knew a fellow that was serving in the ministry and he worked a job on the side. And he said this, he says, my job, the the secular job that I have, he says, the only reason I have it is to pay the bills and take care of my family because a man that doesn't take care of his family is worse than an infidel, right? He says, I want to make sure I take care of my family, but he says, just so that I can serve God in the ministry, that I can serve him, I can do more for him. And so he says, I'm not, I'm not looking to get rich and I'm not looking to, to work extra overtime just so I can put money in a bank account and, and prepare for retirement. And I'm not saying those things are wrong, but he's saying, listen, my focus is that everything is for Christ. You see, where is he today? Pastoring a church. God took that spirit and called it into full-time ministry and is using him in great ways today. What is it that has, your, has control over you? Look at one more passage of scripture quickly. Luke chapter four, turn over there. Luke chapter four. I just want you to see this journey of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was baptized and the spirit of God descended upon him. Luke chapter 4 says he was filled with the Holy Ghost from that moment and he was led by the Spirit in the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. It tells us in Matthew chapter 4. And as he's being tempted of the devil, he's exercising those spiritual muscles. He is learning to to rely 100% upon his Father. And notice what it says in Luke chapter 4 and jump down to verse 13. And when the devil had ended all the temptation, he departed from him for a season. And Jesus returned in what? What's the next word? Power of the Spirit into Galilee. And there went out a fame of him through all the region round about. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. He returned in the power of the Holy Spirit. 
His temptation allowed him to be a high priest who was touched by our infirmities. His fasting showed complete reliance and surrender to the Spirit of God for the battle that was ahead of him. But because he did those things, his obedience, his surrender, and his complete reliance upon God, now he had the power of the Spirit. Let me ask you something. When Jesus was baptized, was he filled with the Spirit of God? That's what it says in Luke chapter 4, verse 1. He was filled with the Holy Ghost. But there was a next step yet to be taken. The power of the Holy Ghost. Let me give you an example. You could go home this afternoon and you could get on your, how many you get on your pajamas on a Sunday afternoon? Sunday afternoon's nap time, right? Uh, sometimes my wife and I have a joke. If we've had a, a long week or something, we'll come home on a Friday. And Friday nights, by about 7.30, she's done. I mean, drool, sleeping in the chair, you know. And we'll come in the door, and it might be 5 o'clock, and we'll look at each other and say, is it too early for pajamas? And she says, never! And we just get comfortable for the night after a long week, unless we got something going on. You could go home this afternoon, you get your pajamas on, and you could sit in your living room with your Bible open on your lap, and you can read, and you can pray, and you can confess all your known sin, and you can surrender to God and say, God, I completely lay it all down, 100%, fill me with the Holy Spirit of God, and you can be filled. But you'll have no power, because the power has a purpose. And we're going to see that right now. You can be filled with the Spirit of God and never affect another human being in the world. You can be filled. You can be living a godly life and righteous in Christ Jesus. But until the Holy Spirit of God is actually using you, you don't have any power. Notice what it says. He returned in the Spirit. In, or sorry, in the power of the Spirit. In Luke chapter 4, verse 13, and then he says this in verse uh, 14, and Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee, and there went out a fame of him through all the region about. He said, what was the outcome of this power? Number one, Christ is magnified. Christ is magnified. Do you know that a Spirit-filled person who is acting in the power of the Holy Spirit will always magnify Christ? And ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses of me. When one is filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, they're always magnifying Christ. And let me ask you something. The Lord Jesus Christ has been baptized. How many were at his baptismal service? Is there a biblical scholar in here that knows? I have no idea. I have no clue. 100, 150, how many were John the Baptist preaching to? How many could gather around that, that Jordan River there and, and, and listen and hear effectively the preaching? And maybe a 1,000 even, I don't know. The Lord Jesus Christ came and was baptized and the Holy Spirit descended like a dove, but I, I just have a theory that only he saw that. Only Jesus, I believe. Did others hear the voice? Perhaps. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. It was for a purpose. That he be led into the wilderness. Who else was in the wilderness? Nobody but Jesus and the devil. It was a desert place. 
It was separate from everybody else. And for 40 days, he would be there and he'd be tempted of the devil and he would defeat him by the word of God and by his spirit. And the Bible says he would return into Galilee filled with the spirit of God and in the power of the spirit of God. And the Bible says immediately his fame went all about. Let me ask you, how many miracles has he done? None. Zero. How many people has he healed? None. How many sermons has he preached? None. Isn't it amazing that just simply being filled with the power of the Spirit of God allowed his fame to spread about? It was like when he walked out of that desert, people turned their heads and saw him. They said, I want to know more about him. There's something different about him. He hasn't preached a sermon. He hasn't done a miracle. And yet, because of the power of the Spirit of God, people were flocking to him. His fame went out abroad. Not only was Christ magnified, the Bible says the gospel was preached. Look what it says in verse 16. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought. By the way, no miracles yet. No water to wine, no walking on the water. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to do what? Preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book and he gave it again to the minister and sat down. I love this. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. How many of you think Jesus read his word a little differently than we do? Dripping with the very power of God that he possessed. And as they looked upon him, their eyes were all fastened upon him. The Bible, and he began to say, verse 21, unto them, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your years. I want you to go back to verse 18 when he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to do what? Preach the gospel to the poor. What was the outcome of this spirit's power on the life of Christ? Christ was magnified, and the gospel was preached. Let me say this. Many, are you listening? Many proclaim the words of the gospel. But if you're not filled with the Spirit of God, you're not preaching. Is that right? I've been to a lot of services where I've heard a guy get up and give a sermon. But what we need is the power of the Spirit of God to make it a message from God. There's been a lot of times I've sat in my office and I've outlined a passage and say, okay, I've got a sermon outline. God, turn it into a message from you. I need the power of the Spirit. I need a touch from God. Many of us proclaim the words of the gospel. But without the Holy Spirit of God, we're not really preaching the gospel. Can I tell you this? Lives hang in the balance. 
Again, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me. Jesus said to the disciples, I want you to do something for me. Go back to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father. You know what he was saying? Don't you dare try to go out and lead people to Christ until you've got the Holy Spirit of God upon you. Until you're filled. How many of you know we do more damage than good when we do that? We get professions of faith based on man's wisdom. Paul says, when I came to you, I came not with enticing words. He just says, I don't want your faith to stand in the wisdom of man, but in the power of God. Oh, we need God's power. But it starts with being filled with the Spirit, by being obedient, by surrendering completely to him. 100%. Asking God to lay it down if you can't. To take it from you if you can't see it. And to be fully reliant upon him and trust him. Oh, then God can empty us out. And he can fill us. And yes, there'll be testing. There'll be trials in your life to see if it's genuine. But oh, when the spirit of God has power in our lives, that's when the gospel is preached. And that's when Christ is magnified. And that's when people change. God, help us today to be a people of the spirit of God. Help us to have the power that Christ had. Lord, it's at times when I say certain things, I almost feel blasphemous to say that Christ was a man. That's the miracle of the incarnation that we don't 100% understand, that he was 100% God and 100% man. And in his flesh, as a man, he took upon himself the spirit of God in great power. And that power drew all to him. They came from afar, Lord, to know him, to be changed by him, to be helped by him. Oh God, if we're going to have an effect in this world, we too must be filled. Help us today to be a people that would surrender. I pray that the Spirit would search our hearts and help us to see what it is we need to lay down, what it is we need to be delivered from, that sin we need to confess. What is it that keeps us from being following all righteousness? Oh God, help us in this invitation time, we pray, and we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand with our heads bowed and our eyes closed today. And Let me ask you, how many times have you witnessed to that friend with seemingly no effect? Oh, that we would have the power of the Spirit of God. Not just words, not just our wisdom, not just some clever argument that we've rehearsed so many times to convince men of their need of Christ. A pastor friend of mine was telling me one time, he was the assistant pastor, and he says, I went out the other night with my pastor. He says, we went to visit a family in their home. And he says, pastor was visibly nervous for some reason. He says, not usually, but he was nervous that night. I don't know why. And he says, he fumbled with his words. He couldn't seem to express how he wanted to express himself. He says, he struggled answering questions. He says, I thought he was way too brief in his presentation of the gospel. But he says, that lady got saved. 
And he says, she came to church on Sunday. And the following Sunday, she got baptized. And now it's been a couple months and she doesn't miss a service. And God has changed her life completely. And he says, I understand now. It's not in our wisdom. It's in his power. That souls are saved. Well, to God that we surrender to him 100% completely.